yeah, he's real. He's real. He's real. I see it. I see it. Somebody go get her. She ran out of front door because he's so real. Come on now. He's real. Yeah. He's real. He might not be real to you, but keep living. Keep living. The Lord is so real. My goodness. I can tell you that there was a time when this song might not have done anything for me. This song might not have even moved me anywhere on the needle. The needle might not have even fluctuated. Yeah, yeah, but after enough of living, after enough of life, after I understand that there's nothing that the Lord can't do for you when you're his child, I can tell you right now he's real. And as the songwriter said, yes, he's real. And I like this. Reg was singing it, but I know he's real. I know he's real. I can't sing like Reg or T. I can't sing like them, but I know he is. And so I asked the question, how many know he's real? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, he is. That's it. Yeah. My Lord. Two weeks in a row you got me hoarse before I even started. Uh, my throat was hurting for two days after last week. Because we haven't been singing like that. We haven't been, we haven't been in that groove. We, we need it. We miss it. Another byproduct. COVID trying to take my wonderful singing voice from me. Yeah, but he's real. He's real. No, 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 no. You know, they say if you don't use a tool, it loses its strength. And I know I can't sing for real, but I'm used to at least coming in here trying to sing. And there's not enough of that going on when I see folk in the back pews waving their hands and jumping up and down and being grateful for what the Lord has done. I know I missed that. I believe you do too. Real church. Real church. Virtual church is not fake church. But there's fellowship in church. That's what's missing now. Today marks the sixth month. The sixth time that we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper virtually after we conclude this service. Who would have imagined? It's already actually been over six months. God is still with us and still guiding us. And I want to thank everybody who's still yet holding on to this ability. And as a matter of fact, even when the Lord says it's time for us to come back collectively into this sanctuary, we'll still be having a cyber sanctuary service moving forward. This won't go away. This will still be a part of our worship opportunity because There'll be people who will never have the opportunity to come sit in the service with us. Some people live in far place, distant places and we want to give them the opportunity to fellowship with us. So lest I hold you any longer today, I'm already full. I'm already in the spirit. I'm already there. Let's go into this word that God has given us today. Let's get there. <clears throat> this month is, I told you earlier, if you missed our announcements, my announcements, Emphasis on prayer month. That'll be our full emphasis for the month of September. 
emphasis on prayer. And so, if you're not aware of my style of preaching or how I try to teach 45th Street and have for these last 16 plus years, I want to teach you about prayer. And I hope you're prepared to follow along, maybe take some notes and refer back to them later. That's one thing we don't do a whole lot of in our community sometimes, in our church communities. We don't teach. We, we don't teach folk how to be believers, how to walk. We don't strengthen them in that daily observance of what God has told us to do. And every sermon, while it can be educational, can be one that tickles you. No, no, no. It's, some of it's got to be some information that teaches you. And so this month we're going to talk about prayers. Who taught you how to pray? Have you been to prayer school? Who gave you the one, two, threes, and ABCs of getting on your knees and learning how to pray? Who did that? I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. We learned that from rote memory. I'm not talking about the grace you ask the Lord, a blessing food before you eat it. Those things, yes, we may have those down pat. But let me ask you this, do you pray other times? Do you know how to pray throughout the day? Do you know how to pray for things? And let me, let me, let me get real, real with you. Do you pray when you ain't got a problem? Or are you just an emergency situational prayer? Do you wake up in the morning feeling good without any care in the world? And are you moved at that point to pray? On the day you got your best job, your best whatever happened to you, were you moved at that moment to fall down in prayer and ask the Lord to bless you? Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord? I want to take some examples from Scripture and show you how some of the people we've leaned on for lessons prayed. I want to show you what they said, how God responded, and use those as examples of how you and I might grow our prayer life. I think it's instructional. And we'll look at, and we started this past Wednesday in our Bible study, 45 minutes of a purpose on Wednesday night. We started looking at David, how to pray when you really messed up. And he had messed up. We looked at a prayer that he started praying in Psalms 51. We did part one of that. We'll continue with part two this coming Wednesday. But we're going to look at some other prayers. We're going to look at Daniel. Daniel was a praying something. In fact, Daniel almost got killed for praying. That's the sole reason he was put in that lion's den, because of prayer. Let's look at Daniel, his prayer life, and how it can inform us so that we might be prayerful even when looking at possible lion's dens. Let's look at him. And there'll be other examples. In fact, I hope that this sermon series will last for a few weeks, but there are so many great examples. The Lord might push me to move it beyond the time. Today, the sermon series we're going to start is entitled Powerful Prayers for People with Problems. All right? Powerful Prayers for People with Problems. I kept it. Karen. Powerful Prayers for people with problems. Say it a few times, it'll get good for you. How many of y'all got problems out there? Raise your hand. Amen. How many of you want to strengthen your prayer life? 
Yeah. Well, let's look at some powerful prayers for other people in Scripture with problems. But before we go there, let's first talk about prayer and what it is. Today. So today, today, let's talk about what prayer really is. Use this as a foundational scripture. Matthew chapter 18. Verse 18. Starting. And we'll read through 20. I'm going to read it for you in your hearing. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. What a notion. Binding and loosing. Now, I don't know about you, but if you don't really understand the purpose and power of prayer, those are some frightening words right there. That if I bind something on earth, it'll also be bound in heaven. But as frightening as they are, they're instructional because they reveal to us something fearsome and powerful about prayer. And the word that you want to put your tongue on is this passage of scripture teaches us the authority of prayer in your life. The authority of prayer. And so from this, we'll learn that prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. Watch this. Prayer has already divided seas. Prayer has rolled up flowing rivers. It's made rocks gush into fountains of water. It's put out the flames of fire. And in fact, that same prayer had an asbestos effect and covered those in the midst of the fire such that not even the scent of the sulfur emanating from the, the fire got on those folk. Prayer has shut the jaws of lions, defanged poisonous vipers. It stopped the course of the moon and it's arrested the sun in its course around the earth. It's burst open gates it's recalled souls from eternity. It's conquered the strongest devils and commanded legions of angels to come down from heaven. Prayer has controlled the raging passions of men. Prayer has rescued many a young woman from the backseat of a car when she was in trouble. Prayer has changed some things. And more often than not, has just changed some folk, prayer has destroyed whole armies of proud soldiers. Prayer has confused, bewildered believers and unbelievers. Prayer has brought one man from the bottom of the sea and carried another in a chariot of fire all the way to heaven. Prayer has done all these things. And you need to understand how powerful prayer is. But watch this. Can I make it more practical? Because we're talking about powerful prayers for people with problems. 
Prayer has soothed the baby that wouldn't stop crying at night. Prayer has calmed down a parent who was at wit's end at 2 o'clock in the morning with no medicine, nobody to call, nothing to call on, nobody to summon except the Lord who she couldn't see. Prayer has connected her to that God and he solved and soothed that situation. Prayer has removed fever from a furrowed brow on a man who had to get up and go to work the next day or else he was going to lose his job and his foundation of his family was going to be wrecked. Prayer has done that. Prayer has changed the words coming out of a supervisor's mouth from fired to give you another chance. Prayer has done that. Prayer has stopped a child who was about to say yes to doing something that would have ruined his life and changed it to saying, I got to go home to see my mom about something. Prayer has done that. That's how powerful prayer is. Prayer has guided a surgeon's hand. Prayer has carried a soldier all the way from a war-torn, distant land all the way back to his mama and daddy's table safely. Prayer has done that. Prayer has saved marriages. Prayer has returned children from death and destruction. A lot of people have gone through rehab, but that rehab started with, with prayer. That rehab was sustained with, with prayer. And that rehab is continuing to be sustained with what? With prayer. Prayer has done this and a whole lot of other things, and still we don't know how prayer works. All these things that prayer does, and it's still confusing to us. In this passage of Scripture, we find there's some illuminating factors about prayer. And it's good that we get it from the greatest authority on prayer the world has ever known, and that's Jesus Christ. First of all, you should know this. Prayer is powerful, but it's a mystery. It's a mystery. All right? Jesus said, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Loosed in heaven. How does God negotiate conflicting, conflicting prayer requests? How does he deal with it? One side is praying for one outcome. The other side is praying for a completely different outcome. Somebody ought to tell me now, because that's what's happening in our community right now. We're talking about folk with powerful problems. We got one group of folk who are praying for an outcome and another group who are praying for a completely different outcome, but both of them are in the same situation. Let me make it real to you. The organizers of a parade for Labor Day are praying that the Lord will give good weather. Lord, keep it sunshiny, but the farmers in that community need some rain for their crops to grow. And so the organizers of the parade are praying for sunshine and the farmers are praying for rain in the same community. Both believe in the same God. Both pray to the same God. How does God deal with that? You think this is a new problem. This is an eternal problem. And in fact, on March 6, 1865, watch this now, the president of the United States at that time, you know, had to be Abraham Lincoln. Five weeks before the Civil War, 
he addressed a divided nation in a presidential way, trying to heal the nation, not divide it. And these were his words. And we know, if you don't know this, for all that's written and much has been written about Lincoln, perhaps more about Lincoln than any other president who's ever served, has been written. One writer used these words from his speech. G, uh, Lincoln said, the praying man, Lincoln was a praying man. Lincoln had to be praying man because he was, he was suffering from depression most of the time he was in the office of president and most of his life. He knew dark days and he knew, he knew days of high heights. And he said these words, both North and South read the same Bible and pray to the same God. And each one of them invokes God's aid against the other. And the prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. And therein lies the answer to the question, the quandary that we have. God has his own purposes. Man may ask, man may request, but never forget that it has to serve the purposes of God. Binding and loosing, what does that mean? Sounds almost like a magical incantation. We watch so much TV, fairy tales we read where children always got some kind of magical object, a lamp or, or, or a ring or a magic word that they can use. And if they say that magic word or, or, or they rub the lamp, and then it can help them do strange things. But, but what our Lord is unquestionably telling us in this passage of Scripture is that it's possible, you ought to hear me now, it's possible that ordinary people, practical people like us, can exercise extraordinary power and there's nothing magic about it. It simply has to do with our relationship with the Lord. You and I can ask some things of heaven, of God, and that they would ratify what we've asked for. We have that kind of power, that we would be put in touch with a world beyond the world we see right now. That's what prayer can connect us to, one that extends beyond our visible senses. Of course, we know that there are limitations on prayer. That's what we got to bring out right now. But first, we got to understand what Jesus Christ meant when he spoke of heaven and earth. Because I think we got a big misunderstanding. Maybe we misinterpret that heaven and earth aspect that Jesus is talking about. Not the earth part. That usually we got that one pretty good since we're here. But we misunderstand heaven where it is, what it's about. What is heaven? Where is heaven? Maybe I should ask the question, when is heaven? How are we involved in heaven? And is that a word, a euphemism for something else? Maybe our study has to take us and show us that perhaps heaven is the word that's used, but this is what is meant. And so if you believe 
that we pray about all sorts of things right now, but we have to wait until the end of our lives in order for heaven to deal with them, then clearly that's a fundamental misunderstanding about how heaven works. But one would think that since we always talk about heaven from the context of when I get to heaven, this is what I'm going to do. But the Bible says that Jesus said, if you, if you touch something, you touch and agree on something right now and you bind it right now, heaven will hear right now. So if that's the case, how can it be futuristic that heaven is going to take care of my situation? And I say to you, it comes with your understanding of what heaven is about, what heaven is. See, we believe that, 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 that earth is down here and heaven is up there somewhere. Yeah, and, and, and I'm afraid that we also reveal the weakness of our thinking when we take it to believe that down here on earth we're given certain powers to loose and God up in heaven is forced to do what we do, what we say. That's not what's being said. Let's make it plain for you. Make it plain. There's a faulty thinking that comes from this scripture. People down here misuse it when they talk to you. They let you think that you can pray for anything down here. And if you pray for anything down here, that heaven has to respond and do what you ask for heaven to do. And I came to tell you that that's a lie. God only does what fits, what did, what did Lincoln say? What fits his purposes. And so some of us are praying for God to answer a prayer that is decidedly against his purpose. We're praying for him to do something that scripture says he abhors. All because it's something we want in our prideful, sinful nature. And I came to tell you that binding something wrong on earth will not make heaven take heed and do it. It has to fit the Lord's purpose on this side in order for heaven or that space to respond on the other side. And let's talk about what he means when he says heaven. He's telling you that at the same time that we walk in this physical space, there is also occurring a spiritual space. Not later, but right now. Going on right now. And in fact, prayer is the bridge that connects the physical with the spiritual. And when you are in tune with the Lord, when you are in right relationship with the Lord, not when you're trying to almost get it right, but when you are in sound faith and fellowship with the Lord, you can be connected to that side and pray in God's purpose for something to happen. And heaven, the spiritual side, can respond to you. Now, now you say, this is complicated. Well, let me tell you how I can make you understand it a little bit better. When you woke up this morning, you got out of your bed, no doubt, and if your room was darkened, you walked without any question to the light fixture on the wall, and you flipped the switch, and the light came on. You didn't question the power that brought the light on. 
You didn't ask for any guidance on the light coming on. You didn't see the electricity come in your house. You don't even know the pathways it took to get there. But clearly, there is another sphere of life that you can't see that brings power to you. And if you can have faith enough that the light was going to come on when you flip the switch, then you ought to at least have faith enough in a God that he can bring power to you that you can't see as well. That's what faith is. You mean to tell me you got more faith in a light switch than you do in the Lord? You mean the same God who made it possible for you without the ability to do it alone to get that house, to stay in that house, to survive in that house, who makes it possible for the power to come to the house, the water to come to the house, the gas to come to the house, all that stuff to come to the house, you can't tell anybody how that works. And yet it gets there. And you now doubt that the same God can bring a blessing to you of a spiritual nature that you can't see. I came to tell you there's a whole nother world out there that we can't see that operates and it brings blessings. You know it. You know it. You know it because you walk in to do something and you got it in your mind to say something and you say, Lord, help me before I go in there. And when you step in the room, somehow, somehow the words jump in your mouth. You never even heard of it before. You know it, Red, you sit down at that keyboard, you haven't even practiced. And yet the best song you ever made comes out. And it was, as you say, nobody but the Lord. All God. It happens time after time. So we should be clear that there is a realm that's beyond that we see. And what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to us in this passage of Scripture, that if we bind something on this side that we understand, let's just say healing, and it fits God's purpose, on the other side. Then heaven on the other side will hear. The spiritual side. Instead of saying heaven, let's just say the spiritual side. Will hear. And will bring healing to that situation. Not because we commanded it. Not because we demanded it. Not because we have any power to negotiate with God. But it only happens through faith. And a lot, we're going to double down on that. It only happens through faith. The verse says that there's correspondence between heaven and earth. The outer world of time and space, the events that go on in history, are impacted by what's happening in the spiritual side of earth. And God has his hand at play in all things. That's why you ought to shout. And you ought to say, nobody down here can touch me as long as I'm in the Lord's family. He takes care of me. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Watch this. I'll give you another practical example. In the United States government, as you know, there are certain powers. We're seeing them tragically played out right now that the government would call powers of binding and loosing. 
Those powers are completely granted to the President of the United States. They invested in him and him alone, not the courts, not Congress, but only the power of the executive. The president has those powers. For example, the president has the authority to sign treaties with foreign powers. The president has the authority to revoke treaties with foreign powers. In other words, the president has the power to bind this nation to another nation. And Congress might ratify that, but they can't stop him from doing that. There is no other individual in our government who has the authority to fix his signature on a document and bind this nation. Likewise, in the spiritual context of our faith, binding goes through the one who has authority to bind us. And in heaven, in the spiritual side, the only one who we can be bound through, his name is Jesus. He is the bridge that connects this side to the other side. And Jesus here is telling us that God has granted powers of binding and loosing. And until we act on them, nothing happens. That's right, you're sitting on power you don't know you have. You have the ability to affect things you don't know that you can control. You have the authority to make your life better if you will step into it and do it in faith. You have the power and the powers are almost absolute. Watch this. God has said that we have the power. You don't want to hear this because it's going to make you mad. You have the power to bind every form of evil in your life. In other words, evil doesn't have the ability to run rampant in your life unless you let them lease some space in your mind. Unless you give them the ability to control what you do and how you do it. If you want to thrive on evil thoughts, then you've given evil the ability to take up shop. But you have the ability by binding that power to get that out of your mind, if you'll do it. Sin shall have no dominion over you, Paul said. For you are not under the law, but you are under God's grace. And if you draw down on the power of God's grace, you can loose the problems that you have. Look, so by grace, we have the power to bind every evil force, every contrary authority that's within us. We have the authority to do that. 10 chapter 2 Corinthians. Paul indicates that our warfare is not against what we see. It's not against what we see. That we're warring against evil authorities and powers that are in high places. We have the power to bring them under control in our own lives. Even as we reckon ourselves dead unto sin, we have to be living unto God and we have the power to loose the full flood of the Spirit's resources in our lives if we got faith enough to do it. That's what we say when we pray in the Spirit. 
And guess what? Not only do you have the ability to do that for yourself in this prayer month, you have the ability through intercessory prayer to point the spirit toward other folks' issues and pray for them in the spirit as well. Let the Lord know that this is important to me. Others can be helped tremendously because of your faith and your praying for them. And so you and I stand on the frontier, the border between two worlds when we pray. Between the physical world and the spiritual world, we simply have to bridge that gap through our faith. And so as James said, watch this now, makes more sense when he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person has great effect. Prayer is, and look at this now, know this, your prayer is powerful, but prayer is multiplied exponentially by unity. What you're saying, Reverend Sparks, that means I can, through my prayer, affect great change in situations. But God uses a different kind of math when it comes to dealing with problems. Let me make sure you understand this. According to Matthew, Jesus said, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. In other words, you praying for your situation is excellent. But asking another faithful believer to join you in prayer grows God's attention exponentially. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. See, this is the charter paperwork for prayer meeting in church. This is how prayer meeting starts. In other words, I can sit in my house all day long and pray by myself for a situation. But when I bring another believer in, then I got a chorus, a choir that God is paying attention to. And not only will he hear me, he hears me double because of the prayer. Watch this. Deuteronomy, Moses wrote these words because this is the kind of math that heaven uses. And I don't, think, I don't think you pay attention to it. If you've ever seen it before, it may not have meant anything. Moses wrote this. He said, one of you through your faith can chase a thousand. But two of you can chase 10,000. Come on now. Watch now. Hear, hear what I'm saying? Because I think you missed that. Moses wrote that with your own prayer, you have the power to run a thousand away. If I simply add one more person by earth standards, I ought to be able to chase 2,000. But by heaven standards, it says that not only can one chase 1,000, but two can chase 10,000 away. You need to hear what's being said here in Scripture. That's a strange ratio. Not straight. That's heaven's arithmetic. And we need to always use heaven's scoring scale because it involves grace and power that we don't understand. From the earliest days, I can tell you this, it's been evident that this math works. Watch this. The church has always felt a need to get together and pray. One of the things that's missing during COVID is our unity in prayer. That's why this month is so important for us. We don't have to be in the same building to be under the same 
uh, to be of the same spirit when it comes to praying. We ought to all be concentrating on healing and change and helping in our community. In Acts 4, the church got together for prayer after they had been persecuted by the Sanhedrin. Jesus had been killed. Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison. And they all got together in one room. And what they have? They had a prayer meeting. And from that prayer meeting, Peter was released from prison. And they didn't even know it had happened until he showed up at the house. They couldn't hardly believe the power of the prayer. But one can chase 1,000, but a whole room full of faithful believers can chase 10,000. Thousands, let me say this. If two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them. So watch this. One of them means literally in the Greek version to stand together. We need to stand together. It means that we are in harmony. Harmony. Now, Reg, T, I don't understand music like that. But I can tell you this, that when you and you come together to sing, you already got your part right. You can sing by yourself, and it's okay. If nobody else lifts their voice, you're okay singing. T can start singing. And when she sings, if nobody else joins, it's okay. But when the two of you get together and sing, at some point, you're all right, and you're all right, meet together, and that's called harmony. And it's harmony that heaven pays attention to. It's multiplied. The prayers that come together are harmonious to heaven. And it's that harmony that, harmony that heaven hears. We sound good together. But the real power, and I'm out of here, of prayer has to do with who is in the middle of the prayer. Don't ever lose this in 18, chapter 18 of Matthew, verse 20. Jesus said this, for where two or three, and you can read that, where two or more are gathered in my name, in my name, watch this, the B part, he says, there am I in the midst of them. So in other words, the introductory word, for, for where two or three, it's the explanation of the mystery in verse 18. In other words, I realize that there are one or two people standing there praying. And they are powerful. But the booster, poo, the turbo in the prayer, the reason why the prayer gets there, the reason why the prayer is heard, the reason why heaven pays attention is not because Andre is so dynamic. It's not because Karen prays in the right voice. The reason why heaven hears is because Jesus is in the middle of the prayer and he is praying too. That's why heaven hears my prayer. That's why you have to be praying in the authority and under the faith of Jesus Christ's sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we close the prayer in Jesus' name. Because Jesus is there signing on the dotted line, Lord, hear our prayer. 
And so if you want your prayer to be meaningful, make sure that Jesus is in the midst of your prayer. That's why prayer works. That's why when you bind something on this side, heaven has already worked to bind it on the other side. That's why when you lose something on this side, Jesus has already made it possible for it to be loosed on the other side. And so prayer is God the Son praying to God the Father in the power of God the Spirit and in the prayer room of your heart. That's the definition of prayer. God the Son praying to God the Father in the power of God the Spirit from your prayer room, your heart. That's what prayer is. And the more you join other believers together, the more power you have. You need to know, he said, that if you gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. What a glorious notion that Jesus cares enough about me and my situation. What I need to concentrate on is making sure that I'm faithful, making sure that in my prayer, I'm praying for something that's not against the purposes of heaven. Make sure I'm praying for something that brings glory not only to our Father, but brings honor to myself. And I can be guaranteed, watch this, almost guaranteed, that he's there in the midst of us praying. It's not the power of the church. It's not the status of the church. It's not the location of the church. It's not how many campuses a church has that brings power to prayer. All right, it's not who the pastor is. It's not who anybody who works in the church is. You can go out and you can get everybody who is somebody in the physical realm and you can put them on your church roll. That don't bring power to the church. Yeah, you can have as much money raised as you want to have raised. That don't bring power to the church. You can bring all the who are's in the community and sit them down in the, at the altar. That don't bring power to the church. What brings power to the church is praying in the name of Jesus, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, and praying to our holy God and doing that from a faithful heart. My God loves us. He adores us, and he's waiting for us to call on his name. That's what prayer is. Now, as we move forward this month, we're going to see how some folk who loved him utilize their situations to teach us how to more effectively pray to God the Father. If you've never even taken that foundational step, right now is the time for you to say, Lord, I realize that I've been dependent on myself. And I don't have the power to do it myself. I need you to help me right now. I've realized that I'm not strong enough or powerful enough to get out of this situation. So help me if you will. Be my father. Thank you for sending me your son, Jesus. Thank you for allowing him to die for me. And I realize you resurrected him for me. And I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you today.